Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On today's Patriot Nation podcast, we are joined by Sean Coleman, be giving us a Titans preview this week, a heck of a a matchup coming up with the Titans this week. And we are also joined by G-Men J, giving us a five-minute fantasy segment. It's going to be a heck of a show, so buckle up and cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's intercepted. All right, John, thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate it. For those people that don't know Sean, he is a SB Nation writer for uh, the Grizzlies. He is a podcast host, Locked On Grizzlies. He is a podcast and writer for the Braves for Talking Chop. He does everything but talk about the Titans, but he loves the Titans. He's a big Titans fan and is very knowledgeable about the Titans. And so we're so happy and welcome and, and uh, lucky to have him on. Sean, thanks so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Hey, it's a pleasure. You know, listen, I don't know about my chances being a Southerner among so many great Northeasterners, but hey, we're, we're going to go for it, all right? But uh, all joking aside, it's a pleasure. Uh, Keegan, uh, Ryan, have not had the pleasure to speak with y'all yet. Honor's all mine, uh, but if y'all are following in the footsteps of uh, Pat, he's a hell of a dude, so uh, it's a pleasure to talk with y'all. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, big matchup this week, obviously. Um, Titans are a weird team. I, like, you know, they not to, you know, come out so hot, but you know, they, they go to LA, they, they lay the hammer on them big, you know, I don't want to say an upset win, but I think, you know, the Rams are certainly favored in that game. We're, we're rolling at the time. Um, and then, you know, the, the loss to the jets, right. That was on the road. And then this week, I know those divisional games can be tough. I mean, we're accustomed to it too. It, you know, classic for the, for the, you know, the Miami loss every year that that's almost inevitable as a Patriots fan, really for the last 20 years. Uh, and just, you know, have didn't look right. I think, um, you know, losing Henry was a big, big loss. You know, I, I, 
might be on myself here, but you know, the running backs don't matter term. Um, I'm, I'm certainly a little bit of a believer in that, but I think Derek Henry matters um, when you're talking about offenses and, and, you know, where the offense runs through. I mean, he's so unstoppable. It, it looks like that team is, um, you know, certainly missing him and, and didn't look right on Sunday. So how, how do they fix things going in Sunday? Cause this is for the one seed. I mean, obviously the Ravens need to lose for the Patriots to take over that spot, but ultimately uh, this is a battle for first place in the conference, which is crazy. Yeah, no, um, and, and again, thank you all for having me on. At this point, guys, it, it, it simply comes down to Ryan Tannehill, and that is not a good situation for the Titans to be in. Um, I think that Ryan Tannehill's a lot of times uh, a bit too much credit for Tannehill's success goes to Derrick Henry. I mean, when you throw 55 touchdowns and 13 interceptions over what, basically an 18-game stretch or so, or 24-game stretch, excuse me, over the past two years, you've got to have some sort of talent. You know, that's that's pretty good. But then this year, um, without Derrick Henry, at, at the end of the day, what it comes down to, guys, is this. The Titans are 8-3. and three. They have earned the right to be first in the AFC. But the team that they're putting on the field right now is not an 8-3 and three first seed in the AFC type team. We are a team right now that just unfortunately is having to make do with some talents that we hope can get lucky and make plays. But the problem is, is that, yes, uh, Dontrell Hilliard looked good. Deontay Foreman looked good. Of course, the news today, we released Adrian Peterson. We signed uh, Golden Tate, who's going to have a 1,000 yards for the rest of the season. I'm kidding. But my point is this, is that the reason why, Ryan, you're seeing really a tell of two teams, a team that can sit there and beat anybody on any given Sunday that arrived to 8-2 and two after a disastrous start against the Cardinals, that team is not there right now. And we're hoping that in some way, shape, or form, we can put enough, enough success in place. But the big question for the Titans is who's going to step up and support Ryan Tannehill? And, and you literally don't know, especially if A.J. Brown's less than 100%. I wanted to ask you about that pretty much head on. Uh, the Titans have used 82 players, I believe, over the course of the season. They made 13 roster moves today. Like, ridiculous amounts of movement going on. So, out of the players that we don't really know, that maybe you'll, you have a better insight on than we do, who do you think can step up in the place of Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, those top-level guys? I think that Nick Westbrook, I mean, I, and I forget the second part of his last name. It's, I think it's, it, I think it's Akina. Akina. Is it Akina? Akina. I can't, I, I'm horrible, horrible with names, so forgive me if I get y'all's names wrong. Uh, but Nick Westbrook uh, really is someone that has stepped up, uh, kind of a possession-type guy, uh, kind of like a, a, a bit of a Kendrick Bourne-type guy, you know, in the past, and, you know, those type of players who, you know, really can be a name that you don't really know a lot about, but has stepped up in a situation and at the very least can make the catches. And that's what Ryan Tannehill is going to do. Listen, in this game, we're not going to blow the hinges off the door. We're, we're not going to make explosive plays. I mean, especially when you're facing Bill Belichick, he is going to make sure that he knows each and every guy's weaknesses on this roster. So for the Titans, it's just converting as many opportunities as possible. And Nick Westbrook stepping up opposite of A.J. Brown is what's going to stand out. A.J. Brown's availability this week, I'm not even wanting him to be available because I think he's going to have a big game because we know the legend of Bill Belichick taking away the number one option. I just want for him to be available so that he at least gets the attention to where there's less you know, coverage on these other guys. So Nick Westbrook is someone that, you know, potentially is going to be a guy who can make a play at the very least can keep down, can keep the ball moving down the field. And then Deontay Foreman, I also think is a name to really watch out for. And the reason why I think that there is better pass catching skills with him than some might think. And if the Titans offensive line, the Patriots defense is wonderful, especially 
with the stretch that they're on now. I think, what, 14 points allowed over the past three games? If the Titans can at least open holes, Hilliard and Foreman can get downhill quickly, and that may be able to set up the play action for some good looks, good play designs to our tight ends, maybe every now and then a trick play to one of our receivers. But Nick Westbrook and Deontay Foreman, I think, are going to have to have their best games in a while, at least of the season, to give the Titans a chance. And flipping it over, too, like to the defensive side of the ball for the Titans, I think that's an interesting matchup, too. been a, I want to say, you know, kind of an underrated part to their team. Obviously, Vrabel with the defensive, you know, background. He's done a fantastic job over the last few years. But the biggest thing that we talked about last week was when you start facing better teams down the stretch and you start to, um, you know, face coaches and, and people that are, have familiarity with how you want to run things, right? So Hunter Henry's been the red zone guy for Mac Jones in this offense. Really, I think this season started to turn around when they started to get him going down there. That's why they brought him in. Uh, I think he's got seven touchdowns in his last eight games, something like that. I'd like to see how Vrabel, who knows Belichick, how he's going to run things, has some familiarity with their offense. If he's able to take away, you know, Mac Jones's is go-to guy and maybe, you know, do some things to disrupt him, um, you know, throw different looks at him, give him some things he hasn't maybe seen before because he has that familiarity that can throw some things off. So, um, I think it's a low-scoring game, obviously, because Patriots' defense is rolling. It's a top-three unit in the league. The Titans are banged up, but I also think they may have some. The Patriots may have some trouble, you know, moving the ball um, as well, just because of Vrabel's familiarity there. And I think he'll give Mac Jones some trouble, maybe early on in this game. Well, and, and I agree with you. And I think that the one thing that the Titans are going to have, they're kind of going to have to go into this game, kind of like the Rams go into a lot of games. The Rams go in there feeling confident that Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey are the two best defensive players on the field. I think there's a very good claim that Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard could be the best defensive players on the field between both teams. That's not an insult to the Patriots. The Patriots are the better defensive squad, in my opinion. It's unbelievable how successful they've been. But in terms of individual impacts, I do think that Byard and Simmons really could step up. But the reason why they're going to need to step up is Byard's going to have to make a big play, a game-saving tackle, an interception of some sort, and Simmons is going to have to lead that defense to make sure that Harris and Stevenson are not balancing out the Patriots' attack to allow for, I believe it's Ramondre Stevenson, correct? Yeah, he's yeah. he's really stepped up a big game two weeks ago. Him and uh, Harris split tackles last week. It ruined my fantasy game, Pat. I got to yell at you about that later on. But all joking aside, that one-two combination, that to me is where is the game going to be won. If the Titans can slow down the Patriots running game because the strength of their defense is their defensive line, that puts the pressure on Mac Jones. I feel better if the game relies on Mac Jones. But for the Titans, their defense, it's going to have to be the end of the game. It's going to have to clearly be Jeffrey Simmons and Kevin Byard were the two best individual defenders for the Titans to win. And it, it's really interesting because, you know, it's kind of like both defenses are trying to do the same thing, right? You know, both offenses, both the Patriots and the Titans offense revolve around the running game, right? And the Titans, you know, have have leaned on Henry, of course, what had like almost like a thousand carries basically in two and a half years, Correct. Uh, you know, and so they obviously leaned a ton on him and that's where Tannehill had so much success was kind of, you know, running play action and, and everyone sells out for the run and now, and now guys are open and Mac Jones is doing the same thing, right? Mac's playing great, but like, it's been a while since he had over 200 yards passing and he's been hovering you know, 198 and didn't play the, the, you know, the second half of the fourth quarter, or whatever last night. So like whatever, or, you know, two weeks ago. So, so, like, you know, it is what it is, but 
But at the same token, it's like, yeah, he's not throwing for 350 yards every week. He's throwing for 200 yards and he's being efficient with the ball, but it's because they're being able to run the ball. And so on both sides of the defense, it's kind of like, hey, we need our front seven to step up and stop the run. And then some guys to make plays in the passing game. If we're going to force them to be one dimensional, you're going to want to force both teams to be one dimensional and have to pass. Right. And I think Tanhill is a much better player than he was in Miami, but you can see some of those things start to creep back in. Some of the things that we saw in Miami start to creep back in when Tennessee can't run the football and they have to rely on him to throw it all the time. And that's going to be where the Patriots can, are going to try to take advantage of the Titans. And again, the Titans are going to try to do the same thing. Let's put the game squarely on Mac's shoulders and, and make Mac try to win this game for the Patriots. And that's something that the Patriots really haven't asked him to do. And, you know, the jury's still out on whether he'll be able to do it or not. Yeah, and, and, I mean, what it comes down to is this, is that when you look at pass defenses, Pat, in the NFL, listen, typically the teams that are leading the league in sacks, they don't have a lot of interceptions. The teams that are creating turnovers, they don't have a lot of sacks. The Patriots lead the league in interceptions. They're borderline top 10 in sacks. That combination is something that you don't usually see. Now you're asking Ryan Tannehill and possibly coming off one of the worst passing games of his career, getting four interceptions against the Texans defense. Hey, go and face the Patriots now. Go and face their pass defense. That's more layered than a lot of other defenses have. But by the way, your best pa- your best pass catcher is going to be less than 100%, and you may have to rely on a fourth-round rookie who couldn't make the team to be your big play guy. I don't feel that that's too big of a of a success. For the Titans, it's getting the timely turnovers. The Titans are a very good team at making timely big plays. The Patriots are very good at making layers of plays. The big interception, the big pass deflection, the big pass rush, the big sack. Consistently. And there's much more of a chance this Patriots defense, I feel, is going to be able to do that against the Titans than I think the Titans will the Patriots. And unfortunately, I think that that, where may, that may be where this game is won for the Patriots. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, Keegan, we were talking about it on, well, you were talking about it on Twitter earlier. Like, I just, I have a hard time seeing Tennessee winning this game simply because of the way both teams have been playing. Now, again, if Tennessee's able to stop the Patriots running game, that's where they're going to win, right? And and you force Mac to to have to try to make plays. And, you know, if, if you force some turnovers here and there, that's where you can make plays. But, but if you put both teams out there and, you know, the Patriots give their best and Titans give their best. I think at this point right now, then that doesn't mean who knows if Derek Henry is going to come back this season. Who knows AJ Brown's going to be healthy after the bye, maybe. So like, you know, maybe that things will be different later on in the season, but right now I just see for me, I look at it and say, I, I just don't, I don't know. Obviously there's a scenario where, where Tennessee could win, but I, I just feel like it's unlikely that Tennessee is going to be able to do what they need to do to win this game. Now, but the one thing that I will say is, is that in these type of setups, you know, for a team that's the underdog, for a team that, you know, clearly has no chance going into Gillette Stadium, um, named Tennessee, that needs a reference point, a little bit of inspiration. Let's see. It's almost as if you needed a game in which you won a playoff game on the road and you ended an era to really go off as motivation. Do the Titans Oh, yeah, we, we do. That is correct. I'm joking. I'm kidding. It's almost like you won't have the guy who ran for 180 hey, yards. Nobody asked you to put a logical point in there, sir. Nobody asked you to do that at all. I, I did want to ask about uh, – We do. I do a blog for, for Pat's Pulpit every week about the changes to the roster. Yeah. And I was expecting there to be way more changes for the Patriots because they've gone through this complete 
overhaul really in the past two years. The Patriots actually have more players in their roster from that 2019 team than the Titans do. And that obviously has a lot to do with the injuries and stuff like that. But I wanted to ask you about the guys who are still on the team, mm-hmm. specifically on defense, the, like Jayon Brown, you know, Rashawn Evans, guys like that. Because you didn't mention the middle of the defense. And and I, I really wonder about those guys because Jayon Brown was a guy I loved in free agency, and I haven't heard his name a single time until this week. Well, it's because he can't stay on the field. And then that's the thing about it is that, you know, Rashawn Evans has, I don't want to call him a bust, but he certainly, I mean, we didn't pick up his fifth year option. You know, obviously there was the rumor, y'all may know this more about it it than me, but the Titans actually traded up to to 25, 22, I believe, to get him before pick 23 back in the 18 draft, I want to say, because it sounded like that uh, Belichick Belichick won him. He's not been, besides being a guy who is very good inside the 20 at the goal line, he's just not really been a guy. I'll be honest, I don't know who's available at the moment right now, but that's the thing. The reason why you haven't heard of Jayon Brown or Rashawn Evans or players like that is because they haven't been able to stay on the field that much. You know, Monty Rice, who we really weren't hoping would be a play a big role this year, he's had to step up and play, and he's not really someone who's the difference maker that they are. And that's the other thing that's standing out about this Titans defense that they are missing to help out the secondaries, you've got big play guys in Jayon Brown and David Long. We were hoping to have a full season of them next to each other, them playing big roles, but they just haven't. I think David Long's probably going to miss this game as well before the bye, but that's really why you haven't heard of one singular player really standing out in the middle of our defense is because none of them can sit there and put together consistent tape of production because they can't stay on the field. And I'm not meaning that as a negative. It's just the simple truth. That's why, yes, we've been productive in the middle of the field, but it's been no one guy who's really been a clear difference maker. And in a game like this, that would certainly be an asset to have. And I got yeah. one more before you guys you guys go. Johnu Smith. I mean, we all Pat thought he was going to be the greatest tight end of all time after we signed him. Pat, big Johnu Smith guy. Oh yeah. I, I don't want to say he's disappointed because I don't think any of them, any of those free agent guys, have disappointed just because the unit, you know, like the entire team has has played pretty well. So it's it's hard to be disappointed in a single guy. But he hasn't been what I think a lot of people thought he could be. Tell Josh McDaniels how to use him, please. It's it's the red zone opportunity, and and, and it's getting creative, getting him out of in space. And the thing that it, the where Jonu Smith, in my opinion, when you look at his per game rates, when you look at his per catch rates, all those rates and things like that, it's his run after the catch ability, and also a very very good red zone threat, especially if you're wanting to use him as someone that can run distances in the red zone. What I mean by that is, is that a guy that you can sit there and as a play develops underneath routes, whatever it may be, he's a guy who can beat his man, but he's got to have a little bit of time to do it. Um, but um, I, I love Jonu Smith. Last year when he got injured, I was so frustrated because the connection between him and Tannehill was phenomenal. He finally was on the field. You know, Delaney Walker obviously was was not, you know, in the in, in the um, fold anymore. John Smith was absolutely unbelievable in the first half of last year. I thought he was a great signing. But the key is, is that Hunter Henry is your downfield receiver. John Smith is your big play scene guy. But also, if you can get creative and use him in different ways out in space on short passes, I think he could be a great weapon for Mac Jones. But you got to get a bit more creative. But it's worth getting creative because of what he can do the ball with the ball once he catches it. I agree. I'd like to take this opportunity to apologize to all the people out there. Uh, I was completely wrong about Jonu in, uh, fan, in fantasy football. I, I talked about it nonstop. Matter of fact, in the Scott Fishbowl, I was all set to take him in the ninth round and then was sniped the pick before. Uh, the woman before me picked uh, Jonu Smith, and I was so upset. And so, unfortunately, I had to settle for Hunter Henry the next pick 
that one ended up working out okay for me. Uh, but Pat. I have him on quite a few teams too. I, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm going to defend Pat though. I absolutely was promote was hyping the idea. I'm a big dynasty football player guy. I yeah. don't play Scott Fish myself, but I was promoting the heck out of John O. Smith over the next three to five years, being a top ten dynasty tight end in Josh um, in, in Josh's system. But yeah. the thing that I'll say is this: is that it, he's not been utilized correctly. He's worth making five to seven plays go to him a game, but you got to utilize him correctly. So McDaniels needs to do a better job, I feel. Josh McDaniels doesn't utilize anybody correctly. You'll see here. He draft the guy in the Tim first Tebow round, correctly. throwing the ball once every week. Hey, he utilized Tim Tebow correctly on one play, thanks to Demarius <laughs> Thomas, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, it's tough. You know, it's tough. All right, so uh, – what are you thinking? What are you thinking about the game on Sunday? What's your What's your opinion on the game on Sunday? And then I want your your take on the rest of the season because I think the AFC. I, I have a big article coming out on on uh, Pat's pulpit that I spent a long time on, just taking kind of a deep dive into all the AFC contenders. And when you look at who's playing who the rest of the season, I mean, everyone's just playing each other. It's crazy. It's like this big round robin tournament that's ending in the, before the playoffs start, and it's like, oh my god, everyone's gonna play everyone. And then, like, there's going to be complete mayhem until the end of the season. So, uh, so I guess, what do you think is going to happen on Sunday? And then, what do you what are you thinking or hoping is going to happen the rest of the way through for the Titans? Yeah, the the Titans. Uh, the thing I'll start off with is that I think that there are five teams on two layers right now um, in the AFC. I think that it is the Chiefs and the Bills on tier one, and I think that on tier th- two, it is the Ravens the Titans, and the Patriots. I think that that's clear. Instead of a top five, I think there's two different tiers. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the Patriots um, are right now perhaps the most balanced team. They have the best defense out of those five teams, clearly. Even better than the Ravens, I feel. Um, The Ravens have the most dynamic playmaker in Lamar Jackson. Uh, To me, I still think that the Chiefs have the highest level of offense. The Bills probably have the best overall collection of talent. And I think that the Titans have the, you know, the best, you know, moxie about them, you know, the best, you know, game planning, you know, scheming, you know, big playability, you know, against those teams. Um, but, but, you know, getting it first off the game on Sunday, um, to me, the best way I can describe it is this. How much can the Titans take out of Ryan Tannehill's hand in a good way? And how much can they force the game to be on Mac Jones? That's to what Mead stands out. What I mean by that is, is that if the Titans expect for Ryan Tannehill to go against this Patriots defense and him be the one just to do everything, him be the one, he has to run for 50-plus yards, score a touchdown, make all the right throws, it's not going to wind up good. I just don't feel it's going to wind up good. They're going to have to get some good running contributions, not big runs, but just keeping the chains moving, and they're going to have to have a receiver besides A.J. Brown step up along with good play calling by Todd Downey. On the Patriots side, on our defensive end, we're going to have to make sure Stevenson and Harris are not doing the same thing that I hope Hilliard and Foreman can do for us. Stop the running game and make Matt Jones make the throws. I'm not talking about, you know, making these five to 10 yards outs. Good coverage, no letdowns. Make him make the throws to beat you because he's a rookie. He hasn't done that a lot yet. How much of the game can the Titans put on Mac Jones? I think that's where they like their chances the best. And I, I, even though I do think the Patriots will win, if the Titans can do that in some way, shape, or form, I think that's their best chances to win. Um, going along the way, I, I still feel that the Bills are, are the Super Bowl favorite for the AFC. I think the Chiefs are right up there with them. But right now, I probably would put the Patriots third in terms of my Super Bowl favorite, and then I'll put the Ravens and Titans right there at fourth. For me, 
what stands out about the Patriots is simply this. Can Matt Jones not lose you games? If Matt Jones cannot lose you games, I think you're perfectly fine. I think that this Patriots defense is good enough to where, especially if they can get turnovers at a high rate, they can make a run in the playoffs. I think they can be that good. Now, for the Titans, it's about getting healthy. If they don't get healthy, I just don't see, especially if they don't get the first seed, I don't see how they get out of the first round. So for these two teams specifically, I think the Titans have a higher ceiling this season than the Patriots do if they can get their players back. But I would say right now, in terms of the highest floor of any team, that's the Patriots. And it's pretty amazing to see the coaching job Belichick has done once again. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think you wrapped it up. I mean, so, uh, and you're right. Like, I, I just think for me personally, when you look at it and just think like, like I said, both defenses are trying to do the same thing, right? Like that's the 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 formula for success for both teams is going to be exactly the same offensively and defensively, right? Like run to set up the pass and then stop the run to force them to pass, right? And so it's like, you know, whoever's going to be able to do that and impose their will. And I think, I think ultimately it's going to come down to, you know, offensive line versus defensive line on both sides. And, it, you know, and it, and it sounds so cliche, but it's like whoever wins in the trenches is going to win the game. Right. And that's, that to me is really, is really where kind of it begins and ends. And I wouldn't be surprised even to see something that we saw, you know, uh, on uh, two weeks ago against the Browns where the Patriots just stayed in base, right. They came out in light and had, you know, had Bentley off the field and, and then, you know, just said, nope, we're just staying in base because we don't think that you can beat us throwing the ball. And maybe Tannehill can do that, but maybe they just say, you know what? You're not going to beat us in base, so we're going to stop the run and make you and force you to take those passes. Now, unlike Baker, I do think Tannehill will will take those four, five, six-yard passes all day long. I think he'll take them all day long. I just think he just he makes dumb mistakes sometimes, but he's not, he's not a gunslinger like Baker is where he has to, you know, throw the ball down the field. So, I don't know, but but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see them do that. So we'll see. Well, and, and that's the other thing about it. I think one of the reasons why, Pat, that he'll be willing to take those four or six or five or five yard passes, as you mentioned, um, I do think that Brian Tannehill is confident in the fact that he's got good red zone presence. One of the things that's really helped out the Titans before this year is just how highly effective they were with their layer of options in the red zone. Obviously, even though they don't have Derrick Henry, both Foreman and Hilliard can get you the yards if you need it in short yardage situations. You've got Tannehill who shows good red zone decision-making, but you also have the fact, and I think that this is something to watch out for that could benefit the Titans a bit, his running ability. He's someone that can get those yards if he needs to. And if this is a game where he can get multiple scoring touchdowns, I I would certainly see it. Y'all saw it last year when it was going, when it was going well with Cam Newton at times, good, Mm -hmm. making the good decisions running. That may be the difference maker for the Titans this week. But at the end of the day, I I give the Patriots about a 70% chance of winning. Um, I really do think that the Titans are, are going to try their best. But I think at the end of the day, the Titans are going to be just as much relieved if they can get out of this game with no further injuries to big players than they are even if they win. I mean, it puts extra pressure on us to need to win with the Texans' loss, but the Titans are just badly wanting to get to that bye. I can see that for sure. I mean, you know, yeah. Spags, you got anything? looks like you want to add something. No, I I thought your tiers, too, with the AFC were were perfect. You know, say what you want about the Chiefs, but when you've been to three straight AFC championship games and, what, two, two straight Super Bowls, um, you kind of set the standard until you're out. I'm not going to declare them um, out. I still think they're the kings of the AFC, and they're peaking at the right time. That defense 
looks really good. What they did versus Dak and, and Dallas uh, was pretty impressive. I know that game was at home, but and the Patriots defense, you know, wasn't necessarily right at the time. But uh, slowing down Dak and 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 CD Lamb. Obviously, he left the game early. And no Amari Cooper, but um, the Chiefs for me are, are still that that favorite in the AFC until somebody can kind of knock them off. Uh, I'll consider it wide open, but um, yeah. And I'll say this about the AFC. I mean, you know, you also haven't mentioned teams like the Chargers and, and the Bengals. The Colts, um, the Colts, Colts look really and, good. And, and you've got young players who are the difference makers, right? Najee Harris for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor with Derrick Henry out is probably the best skill player right now in the NFL. And then, of course, the Bengals, if, if Mixon can show success, Jamar, Jamar Chase was absolutely phenomenal. The future of the NFL is in bright hands, but those are that's that next layer of four reliant on young players and any one of them can go off over a stretch of games so you definitely are going to see it's wide open in my opinion so i agree with you completely Ron. well and the colts are so fascinating to me because you know their draft position matters so much more than someone else's because they're sending that pick to you know they're sending that pick right and you if you're sending that pick you want to be in the playoffs you don't want to miss the playoffs and have to send a top 15 pick for carson wentz you know like so at this point, it's like they have to make the playoffs. Otherwise, they're going to have to bench Wentz the last few games. But the problem is they're too close to the playoff hunt. You can't bench Wentz now. Like, you don't have a choice. So you have to make the playoffs at this point. Otherwise, you know, you're you're basically done. And I know technically they could. They play in Tampa this weekend. And theoretically, if they lost, they could say, screw it and, and pack it up. But I can't imagine they do that with the AFC as wide open as it is. And Wentz has been, you know, numbers-wise, Wentz actually hasn't been that bad. I think 18 tur- touchdowns, three interceptions so far this year. He's right. made bad decisions. I agree with you, Pat. He he certainly is not someone that you can really trust. But, you know, that's the other thing that stands out. You know, we were talking about the Patriots moving forward, and I think they're a high floor. They have the best defense right now, uh, uh, upside of anybody in the AFC. But the other thing that stands out to me is the coach versus quarterback combination, which I really think stands out. Matt Jones, does he have the it factor to lead them to a Super Bowl this year? I don't necessarily know. Of course, you got Bill Belichick on your side, but that is the one thing that kind of you know prevents me from getting all on the Patriots is because I just think there's you know other quarterbacks that are just have higher ceilings. No offense, right. it's just the truth. You know, no, they're, yeah. they're veterans out there, but you know, at the end of the day, it's wide open. I'm just glad to be a part of it, and it leads to good conversations with great folks like y'all. So. Yeah, well, we appreciate it. We were uh, we're fortunate to have you on, so we appreciate you coming through. Obviously, we've had a lot of good conversations on uh, on Spotify Green Room. Well, I have with you at least, and uh, and some some even even some late night happy hour zooms, which were fun as well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so and I think that's it. I think we've covered we've covered quite a bit here. We've covered quite a bit. I think we've done a good job previewing the, the game. It's going to be a heck of a game. I mean, it's one of those games where like. I was a little surprised it didn't get flexed. And then you kind of see some of the later games like, okay, I can see why they didn't flex necessarily flex this game, but this is a big game, right? It's a, it's a big game and it's big for both teams because there's so much riding on it for both teams where you look at it and say, okay, if the Patriots win, they're all of a sudden almost the number one seed, depending on what happens with Baltimore. And if Tennessee wins now, they're nine and three, they just beat the Patriots who are, who were pushing them for the number one seed. And now they have the tiebreaker over the Patriots and the bills so whoever wins the AFC East is going to have they're going to have that tiebreaker over them. So that's going to get them into that spot. So to me, it's a huge game for both teams, and it's going to be fun to watch because yes, of course, there are injuries and everything else going on, but it doesn't matter. Like they're two good teams, two well coached teams, and two teams that are mentally tough. And I think that for me, like 
that's one of the that's one of the things like you know when they walk in here on Sunday, they're not going to be scared. They're not going to be like, oh, it's the Patriots. We can't play. No, they're they're going to walk in with some swagger. They're going to walk in ready to play, and uh, and it should be a heck of a heck, heck of a game. And the thing, the other thing that, and I'll after this on my end, I, the thing I wanted to end on was this: was that the Titans have passed their litmus test this year, right? They have shown they can play with anybody, even less than one hundred percent. Vrabel will have this roster ready to go. He schemes very well. He'll know how to put the Titans in position to do it. The Patriots have us. They have the Bills, and then they have the Colts over the next three weeks. And with Jonathan Taylor playing the way that he is, I think this is going to give a good clue. Now, if they're, you know, Belichick doesn't need a litmus test. Belichick is the standard of all coaching everywhere. You know, him, Greg Popovich, others. You know, that, that Belichick is wonderful. But I'm just saying that in terms of this version of the Patriots, knowing how good they can be over this next three weeks, it's really going to get a good start to see just how good they are. I hope they get off to a horrible start personally over the next three weeks this Sunday. <laughs> We know you do. We know you do. Sean, before we let you go, you got to plug yourself, tell everyone where they can read you and see you and hear you and talk to you and everything else. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm at stats SAC on Twitter. Um, you know, I obviously, um, uh, Spotify green room was an opportunity for me to expand my horizons of, I've met wonderful people, uh, such as Pat Lane. I don't say that just because he was kind enough to invite me on here. Uh, Pat comes across as a great guy, great, great husband, father. That's how he comes across. Yeah, he does come across as that. So, um, but all joking aside, um, this is what I love about it is the opportunity to talk with folks I never would have had the opportunity to talk with before. But you can find me on Stats SAC on Twitter. Find my podcast at Locked on Grizz. I write for Grizzly Bear Blues. Um, John Morant, if you want to talk about him, you're not going to find a bigger supporter of him than myself. And when it comes to the Braves, I'm about as huge of a supporter as I can be. But also, I am a huge Rafael Devers fan. So if you want a fan of a good third baseman, we have Austin Riley, but I'm a huge Rafael Devers fan as well. So I'll talk to you about Rafael Devers for hours. Yeah. I'm the I'm the Red Sox guy here. Yeah. Huge Devers guy. They need to extend him like immediately and just give him the ba- the routing number to the bank account and whatever yeah. you, you want. You know. <laughs> and the best signing that they ever made was Kiki Hernandez. He he was unbelievable this this postseason. Yeah, so my dude. Uh, but can yeah. I tell you? Can I tell you? I'm in a fan. I'm in one fantasy basketball league. And in the fifth round this year, I, it was an eight-team draft. In the fifth round this year, I drafted John Morant, and I was like, "Sean's going to be so happy when I draft John Morant." Yep. And uh, and yeah, that's all I thought of. I'm like, "Oh, Sean's going to be so happy I drafted John Morant." Yeah. But <laughs> not, but not at, at Stats SAC, um, at Locked on Grizz, I write at Talking Chop and Grizzly Bear Blues. But just in general, if anybody ever wants to reach out just to talk sports, I'll do that all day long. I may not, you may not like what I have to say, but I'm a big believer in what I have to say. So there very we true. Are. It's very true. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much for coming out. Really appreciate it. And uh, everyone, go out there and and uh, and uh, you know, chop it up. Oh, look at that! Look at that little pun right there. It wasn't even that wasn't even intentional. Go go out there and chop it up with Sean. And uh, and he's he's always a fun time to talk to. So we appreciate you having. We appreciate you coming through. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for the time. Maybe maybe in the playoffs. You never know. Right. Hopefully so. All right, man. Take care. All right. All right. That was great. So we're going to get into our five minute fantasy section. We finally, finally have a guest again. I've been I've been dropping the ball. Drop the ball a little bit. I'm the fantasy guy on on this on this podcast, as people know. I've been dropping the ball, but a guy I've been we we've kind of just been like ships in the night here. Uh, but he's finally here. He's finally coming through. Our schedules have finally lined up. It's like we had a show, and he's like, "Oh, I can do it." And then we had to move the time of the show, and he's like, "Oh, I can't do it." So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to have him on. So, G Men Jay Jay. 
I apologize. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I've never actually called you by your last name. It's always well, been G-Man J. You know what? You're not alone. Trust me. I've heard it all. Uh, uh, it's I, fl- good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, say Felicio. It's Italian. Felicio, so uh, I've heard. Tough. I've heard everything under the sun. Trust me. You but see. Yeah, you know, as a teacher, I was like, oh, it, just keep it simple. I, I was going to say Felicio, and I'm like, no, you know what? I'm probably going to screw it up. I'm like, oh, it's just, but <laughs> I, I should have done it. And it's not, like you said, we've been, you know, thank you for having me. We've been trying to make this happen. You know, our schedules is one day I was supposed to be on, then I had something come up, and then you guys right. switched it around, and I couldn't do it. So glad to yeah. finally be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it. good. We we appreciate it, man. We we definitely appreciate it. So so for those of you that, that, uh, that don't know how the segment works, we'll talk to Jay afterwards. Uh, and you could see in the G men, Jay, we, we got a little giant talk to talk about as well. Absolutely. So, uh, so, but we're going to do a five minute fantasy segment. What that means for those of you that are new to the, new to the program here, I'm literally going to set a timer for five minutes. We're going to ask Jay, we're going to ask Jay some questions. You can ask questions in the chat if you're listening right now. Uh, and then, and then we go, uh, from there. So I'm going to start with dark blue gold. So I'll throw this up there. And after I'm done reading the question, it'll be like family feud. After I'm done reading the question, Ooh, like I'll it. start the timer. So uh, six point TD one QB league. Uh, do I hold Russell Wilson home? He gets better later this season, or uh, it looks like he snagged Hertz. So would you drop Russell Wilson for for someone else? I guess is I w- the question. I wouldn't be actively looking to drop Russell Wilson. You know, if there's somebody on the waiver wire that's worth picking up, you've got Hertz. Honestly, Hertz is the better fantasy option at this point. Uh, Russell Wilson looks like he rushed back from injury. He just doesn't look right. Um, you know, Wilson is one of those guys that can get hot and help lead you to a championship, but he's known to get cold as well when they don't let Russ cook. So I think you are perfectly fine with, I think, um, Jalen Hurts has to, I think he's a top five option. He might be the number one quarterback in fantasy, honestly. Um, so you are perfectly fine with Jalen Hurts. Uh, don't actively look to drop him because Wilson is better than many options out there, but I have no issues with it either. 10-team, full-point PPR, battling for a playoff spot at 5-6, and six, tied for the last spot. Uh, lost Robert Woods, so my flex option's a little little sketchy here. That hurts. Uh, do I wait it out with Antonio Brown uh, for Sunday, or do I um, hopefully get Michael Gallup tomorrow and play him on Thursday, which what looks like no Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb? Whew. If, if they're both out, definitely go Michael Gallup. Um, if CD Lamb, see, I still don't think Antonio Brown's going to be back. So honestly, even if CD, um, um, even if CD Lamb is back, I think you're perfectly fine going with Gallup. He's looked good with all three of them on the field. So, um, if CD Lamb is back, he's going to be banged up anyway. So I think Gallup's a fine play. Okay. All right. Since it's Tuesday, how about some of the guys that are top of your waiver wire? Uh, list the kind of top of your waiver art list right now. So I had a feeling you might ask that since it was Tuesday. And honestly, this week is ugly. There is really not much yeah. of anything. If you're desperate, I mean, really desperate, maybe Ty Johnson, since uh, Michael Carter is going to miss a few weeks. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman's going to be in that backfield as well, but Johnson's going to be the PPR option. Um, but one thing I'll pivot a little bit from your standard. Who's the guy to pick up. Now's the time of year, you know, bye weeks are, are just about finished up. Uh, we're inching closer to the playoffs. This is the time of year where it's good to go ahead and get rid. You know, if you've got a backup tight end because you've got uh, Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews and they're just sitting on your bench, you're not going to need them. Travis Kelsey this week, but guys who you're not normally going to start, drop those guys, pick up high value backup running backs. So your Alexander Mattinson's, um, you know, guys Devontae who Booker. 
Right, exactly. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of people who are going to drop Booker um, because of uh, Saquon Barkley being back. And I know better than anybody. (laughs) Barkley could very easily get hurt again. Yeah, so I I love Barkley, but, man, the guy just can't stay on the field. So, you know, I'm not saying go like the Chargers, for instance. If Austin Eckler went down, there's not a clear-cut backup. They're going to be a, a, a committee. You really don't have to worry about that. But like you said, the Bookers, the Kenyon Drakes, the the um, Alexander Mattinsons, those type of guys, start filling your bench up with those guys as you don't need those extra spots for depth because somebody goes down, it's inevitable. Somebody's going to go down. Hopefully not, but you know, then you've got yourself, you know, either, you know, your own handcuff or somebody else's handcuff because then you've got yourself some value, you know, a potential, um, a potential league winner if they get hot. Uh, tight ends. I got Travis Kelsey bye week, Dan Arnold, Cole Kmet, um, some of those guys on the waiver wire that, you know, you'd be interested in, and you know, a spot start this week. So I am in the exact same situation. I have Travis Kelsey in my home league, which is my most important league to me. Um, I picked up Dan Arnold last week in, you know, I was really excited because he, you know, he's been averaging like seven targets a game, something like that. And then he goes and throws up a goose egg. Um, I think Dan Arnold is still the best option. Um, last week was just a weird, I think they said they, um, the Jaguars only had two possessions going into like the last five minutes of the second half of the second quarter or something like that. So it was just a weird game, even for the Jaguars. Um, I still like Dan Arnold, the best Cole Komet, uh, you know, I really like his talent, but I just don't trust the bears until yeah. they get rid of Matt and Aggie. I just don't trust I'm what they're going to do on. Although offense, supposedly, so. supposedly Thursday's his last game, but who knows if that's true. Right. Yeah. It's again, it's the bears. You never know if, if, if that's going to be the case. Just get rid of them. Like, what's, right. What's the right. point? Yeah. Right. Uh, I, Tennessee. What do you, what do you, what do you make of Tennessee? Cause obviously it's Deontay Foreman there. Now Dontra Hillman was there. Uh, I think what's his name? McNichols is hurt again, oh, I believe. Yeah, concussion. So, you know, it's like now you're looking at it like they just cut Adrian Peterson. Like, what the heck is going on in that backfield? And, and are you trusting anyone? And if you are, who are you trusting? Trusting? Absolutely not. Not a single one of them. But okay. I do like both Dante Foreman and um, uh, Hilliard because Hilliard, Hilliard was getting the passing work. I like Hilliard a little more. He's a little more risky because he's only done it one game that was without McNichols, but. Uh, Dante Foreman has looked really good, which is actually, you know, with the injury that he's come back from, it's nope. kind of exciting for Cam Akers. There's the timer. All right. I like that though. So that's good. That's good. That's a good, that's a good way to end it with, with some Titans work. So, all right. Uh, so Jay, well, now we can, we can chat with you as well. Uh, obviously, cool. obviously giants guy. Uh, what do you think? Are you, are you happy about the firing? But then it's like, you know, he gets fired, but then Freddie Kitchens takes over. <laughs> it's right, morning. Right. Like what the right. hell dude? It's, uh, yes, I'm ecstatic with the firing. I would take my three-year-old son as offensive coordinator over Jason Garrett. I never understood it, but it's it's what the, the mayors have done here recently. Like, they're just, they're stuck in that old-school way of thinking. That's why we're stuck where we are since we won the last Super Bowl right. against <clears throat> the Patriots. Um, we just, we haven't, sorry, I had to do it once. Um, we're just, until we start forward thinking, this is what we're going to deal with. So, right. I, I was happy with it. Um I'm also happy with Freddie Kitchen. He he didn't do too bad as the Browns offensive coordinator. I'm not excited about it, but right. it can't be any worse than Jason Garrett. They've got to start using Kadarius Tony. Like you just continue to throw four yard passes to Kadarius Tony while they're throwing screens to Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram. Like what? It, it blows my mind. 
killed me. Like killed me. This yeah. it's killed me the last few weeks. I have Tony on my fantasy team, and I'm like, come on, dude, just give him the freaking ball. Right. Like he He's gave electric. the ball to him once, and he was unbelievable. And it's like Full then disclosure, you just stopped throwing I, it to him. I hated the pick. I did not like the draft pick, but everyone looked did. good. Yeah. yeah, he's looked good. He's looked good on the field. So use him. Like you're gonna spend that draft capital on a guy, use him. Right, right. And it looks like you're also going to be getting a really nice pick from Chicago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks to Matt Nagy. Yeah, right? and so, so yeah, exactly. You know, so who so, knows? And you're going to have to replace Daniel Jones because Daniel Jones, I think everyone agrees, is not the guy. So, nope. you know, you're going to have to replace him. So now you get two first round picks this year. Of course, it looks like it's not a great quarterback draft, but what are you, you going to do? But, you know, it's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, it, it's a, I, I, we got a clean house. It, it, Gettleman right. has just been a disaster. He was brought in to, to bring in the hog mollies and shore up the offensive line, and he's done the exact opposite. Um, yeah. Daniel Jones, I never minded Daniel Jones, the player. I minded Daniel Jones at six overall. Right. If we wanted Daniel Jones, we should have traded back. He would have been there, if not somebody comparable. So, yeah, I think it's just time. You know, I he, he deserved at least this year. And I think in the right situation, he could be serviceable. I think he's honestly, I, I see him as a uh, as a Eli Manning that can run the ball a little bit. You know, Eli was never the guy that was going to elevate the offense, but the reason we won those two Super Bowls was because we had a dominant offense. He could make make the play when it needed to happen. Um, you and you know just, who that is? You know who that is, and it's relevant to this week? Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill. You know what? Like, yeah, exactly. You know? Look at Ryan Tannehill in Miami versus in Tennessee. Right. Yeah, I think that's a perfect comp. So, uh, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm a Duke fan too, so, like, it was, like, the perfect, oh. like, Daniel Jones going to the Giants. So like, although I knew it was going to be a disaster because we weren't we weren't built to compete. Like it. I think I think you're the only Duke football fan I've ever heard of in my entire life. Yeah, trust me. I wow. growing growing up, I, I was born in New York, but grew up in North Carolina. So that's where the the okay. Giants and, and the Duke fandom um, come from. But yeah, yeah. It's, I'm not just you know some people that are you know <laughs> Lakers fans, uh, Lakers fans, right. Dodgers fans, or what? Lakers, yeah. Cowboys, Yankees, yeah, Cowboys, Yankees, right. like all those random. No, born in New York, raised in North Carolina, so there I do go. have I do have legit reasons. There you go. We like it. We like it. Well, Jay, thanks so much, man. We appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. I'm happy we were finally able to have you on. I know, so, man. Uh, I, and you know, I'd be happy to come back uh, again. I'm sorry. You know, that. we are. Oh, uh, You know, I listen. I mean, they, these two youngins don't have kids, but uh, I have kids. I certainly, I certainly understand it. You know, yeah. the schedule is like, hey, how can I? And then, okay, what are we doing? And these guys are always like, hey, can we do this night? And I'm like, I don't know. Let me check. Like, no, sorry, it's my <laughs> night to lay with the kids. I got, I got a right. three-year-old and a five-year-old, so we're we're yep. right in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. So before you go though you gotta uh plug yourself tell everyone where they can read you see you hear you everything like that yeah so you can find me on twitter at gmnj i'm a part of the team over at front yard fantasy uh we've got a lot of stuff going on over there it's it's basically just videos but we do have a live stream we do a game show monday through friday at 3 p.m eastern i'm not on that i'm the content manager so i plan the show i book guests stuff like that um but it's every day monday through friday and we really it's cool. it's the fantasy advice first but it's all about having fun too it's got to be enjoyable. Otherwise, you know, why is anybody going to watch? Uh, but right. we have guests on every day. Uh, we had Marcus Grant on today from NFL Network, which was really cool. He was great. great. Um, and then we have a ton of video content on there. We also do a show Fridays and Sundays on FanDuel's channels. Um, so you That's can great. find all that stuff on um, – biggest way you can support is follow me on Twitter at GMNJ and subscribe to Front Yard Fantasy on YouTube. Love it. Love it. All right. Oh, we got a, uh, we got a comment here. About your baby Yoda. Nice baby Yoda. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, 
you know, my background's a little bit of everything in me. So a little hey, science, you know, little sports, a little pop all, culture. So I just block I out, the, block out yeah. the Super Bowl 42. That's all. Just, yeah, you know, I was actually. Ten, I, I don't see that one. Yeah, you know, I was at that game. I think I told you that before. Oh, so yeah, me and my you did. Dad went, yeah. So yeah. what a moment. I mean, obviously, obviously a horrendous moment for in my life. But what a moment for you to be at well, that. And, I mean, that's and, similar to Patriots people, Patriots fans that were at 36 to be at that game. Right, right exactly. You know, and, and for you to be at 42, it's like unbelievable, you know? Yep, it's me and my dad went. It's, I'll ne- I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right yeah. now. So, oh, yeah, and same sure. thing with me where, uh, you know, I'm sure if you guys are probably, some of you at least are Red Sox fans. So, like, my my worst sports moment, I uh, still feel the pain is the, t- uh, the 2005 that's ALCS. Cool. Yeah, so yeah. like I'll never forget the pain. I couldn't watch sports for like two months after that. So yeah, but that's yep. another another story for another day. <laughs> thank you guys for having so, me. I appreciate hey, thanks, it. Jay, so much. We appreciate it, man. Have a yeah. great night. All right. Yeah, you too. Take care. All right, see you. All right, it's a good show. It's a good show, guys. Uh, I did want to. You know what? I I just wanted to chat really quick, dude. Some of these, some of the playoff pitchers are crazy. I don't know if you guys have looked at Miami's get Miami's uh, remaining schedule remaining so far. Schedule, yeah. They started the season one and they were one and seven. They've won three in a row. Their next three games are against the Panthers, the Giants, and the Jets. They could be seven and seven heading into their last three games, which are in New Orleans, in Tennessee, and then home against the Patriots. It is conceivable, unlikely, but if they split those two games, it is conceivable that they could be playing the Patriots. And the Patriots could be playing for the AFC East and the Dolphins could be playing for a trip to the playoffs all in the same game. And like yeah. madness could ensue. I didn't think that. of that. Yeah, crazy. that's, a, that's thank, crazy. Thank goodness that old friend Cam Newton has taken over the reins in, in Carolina. Cause that's right. I mean, with, without Cam there, I would pencil that in as a win. Uh, easy win. If it was, yeah. if it was Sam Darnold or P, PJ Walker, like, I don't know. I think they're going to crumble towards the end of the season. That's, that's my take. The Dolphins or the, or the yeah. Panthers? Yeah, I no, think so. Too. I mean, yeah. they're clearly not a good team, right? Their they're obviously is not Their a good team. Their offense is horrendous. It's disgusting. Right. Their offense is really Like, it's it's hard watching Dolphins games. That Thursday night game against Baltimore was terrible. Asian Newton. I'll tell you what, man. I uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. I traded for, in my dynasty, like I traded for Tua, and I should have traded for Jalen Hurts, and that's on me. That's on me. For not trading Jalen Hurts, the running quarterback, who by the way still can't really throw the ball, but he runs the ball really well. So fantasy wise, he's a good quarterback. So, but I mean, it's crazy to think like if you just go through and look at, you know, because like so the Titans play the Patriots, they play the Steelers, right? The Ravens play the Browns twice, the Steelers twice, and the Bengals. So like they all everyone the the Chiefs play the Raiders and the Chargers and the Steelers and the Broncos. Well, Broncos are the matter and the Bengals. So it's like they everyone's playing each other. So it's like you know, no matter what happens, like no matter who wins those games, playoff seedings are going to change every week because everyone's playing each other, you know? So yeah. it's going to be, AFC uh, this year, wild. I feel like if you pay attention before week 17 and 18, then you're wasting time. Cause like right. there's no one has any idea what it's going to look like. So yeah, it'd be cool if the Patriots won and the Ravens lost, it'd be cool to be the number one seed, but it's like, it could be gone the next week because yeah. you know, everyone. So, but it's it a cool story cool how they could go from being, you know, two and four, to the number right. one seed in eight weeks. Well, listen, we talked about it. I, I tweeted out today. Like, Keegan, you and I were sitting together. I tweeted out in the third quarter of that Houston game, like, just just try to get a top five pick and try to draft Stingley in the, in the first round. Like, forget it. Like, just just get it. Cancel the season. And they're, I saw, they're freaking seven and four. Like, it's crazy. We can wrap up after this, too. But I saw the 
Dante Hightower tweet you had from eight years ago. Yeah. I think I think we need to get something on your phone where you can't tweet in anger. Like you have that to was, type it out. And then that was before the game. That was before the okay. game. That was before the game because Still. he had been awful up until that point. And he literally like I, you don't understand. He was not good his first year and a half. And that was the game that everything switched. And all of a sudden he was great. And it was like it was. And I think he had been playing well, but like had just been on the wrong side of a few things. I wasn't like breaking down film at that point. Uh, but, you know, but it's it's going to be, you know, it, it's one of those interesting things where you kind of look at it and say, like, you know, yeah, I, yeah. We all I have our blunders. So wrong. Well, do you see Brian's response to me that Cassius Marsh would be Cassius it? Marsh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. That's awful. It's the worst. So, <laughs> I, that's one. I couldn't have been more right. I, I, from day one when he was in Seattle, I've hated Cassius Marsh. That guy's a yeah. dick. He's the worst. He is. The worst. Oh, and uh, let's see. Dark Blue Gold says, uh, what do you reckon? Oh, what do you reckon? What do you reckon the best AFC record will be this year? What do you think? What do you reckon? Now, what do you, now what do you think? What do you reckon? 12 and 5. 12 and 5. Yeah. 12 and 5. Look at that. Look at that. 12 and 5. I'll tell you Patriots what. I thought, 11 and 6. Yeah, and we all three of us predicted the Patriots going 11 and 6 before. The, just like to I say that. I did wavered. say that the Patriots uh, would miss, miss the playoffs, the playoffs at, 11 at 11 and 6. I just thought, like, I just thought someone seed. would go like 15 and 2. You know what I mean? Like, and that did not happen. So, uh, but yeah, they could really be, they could be the one seed at 11 and 6, for God's sakes, the way things, the way things are shaking out. So, uh, who the heck knows? All I know is this this week's important, obviously. If you beat Buffalo twice and you beat the Jaguars and the Dolphins, you automatically win the division. Right, you couldn't now. Obviously, those are the last two games of the season. But, but my the point is, you could lose to both Tennessee and Indy if you just beat Buffalo twice. You win the division, right? And we don't want that to happen. But you could win the division just by winning those two games. Hugely important games. Obviously, this game here though is also massively important. And again, I said mentioned to Sean like the Titans already have the tiebreaker over the, over the Bills. They'd have it over the Patriots too if if the Patriots lose this game. So, um, you know. It'd go a long way, go a long way. And, uh, and you know, ugh, I mean, what a freaking turnaround, by the way, uh, from that point. Okay. From that down 22 to nine point against the Texans, they've outscored their opponents two twenty to 85 since that moment, two twenty to 85. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. So anyways, that's all we got people. Thanks for uh thanks for watching. Oh, hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Obviously, we are talking about it right now. It's Tuesday. It's before Thanksgiving. You'll be listening to us on Friday if you're listening in podcast form. So, alternately, I'd like to wish you a happy Thanksgiving and also say I hope you had a good Thanksgiving as well. And uh it's and Christmas we'll talk season, to you. baby. That's, that's right. We got the nutcracker up. <laughs> oh, look at that. There he is. I'm sure we'll be going to buy the tree uh next weekend, I'm sure. So, so oh, thanks Dark Blue Gold. Appreciate you. All right, guys, we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.